Hello and welcome to day 207 of the Orthodox Study Bible in One Year podcast. Today we'll be reading from the second book of Maccabees, chapter 12, verse 17, through chapter 14, verse 17, the Proverbs of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 7 through 14, and Acts, chapter 26. Let us begin with the second book of Maccabees, chapter 12, verse 17. From there they went 95 miles and continued on to Cherex to the Jews who were called Tubiani. They did not overtake Timothy in that region, for by then he had departed from there without accomplishing anything. But in one place Timothy left a very strong garrison. Doththeus, Sosipater, who were commanders under Maccabees, marched out and crushed those men Timothy left in the stronghold, over 10,000 soldiers. But Maccabees organized his army in divisions, setting men in command of the divisions, and hastened after Timothy, who had with him 120,000 infantry and 2,500 cavalry. When Timothy learned of the approach of Judas, he sent the women and the children ahead with the baggage to a place called Carnaim. For that place was hard to attack and difficult to access because of the narrowness of all its places. But when Judas's first division appeared, alarm and fear came over the enemy at the manifestation to, to them of him who sees all things. They ran off in flight, rushing headlong in every direction so as to be often hurt by their own men and stabbed by the points of their own swords. Judas pursued them with great vigor, piercing the sinful men with the sword and killing as many as 30,000 of them. Timothy himself fell into the hands of Dostheus and Sosipater and their soldiers. With great trickery, he pleaded with them to let him go safely because he held the parents of most of them and some of their brothers, to whom no regard would be shown. So when With many words, he had confirmed his solemn promise to restore them unharmed. They released him for the sake of rescuing their brothers. Then Judas marched against Carnaim and the temple of Adargatis and destroyed 25,000 people. After the rout and slaughter of these, he also marched on Ephron, a fortified town where Lysias lived with countless people of all nations. Strong young men were set as guards before the walls and fought mightily. Many provisions of war engines and missiles were were stored there. But the Jews called upon the Lord, who with power crushes the strength of his enemy enemies. Thus they took possession of the city and killed as many as 25,000 of those within it. Moving away from Ephron, they hurried on to Siopolis, 75 miles from Jerusalem. But when the Jews who lived there testified to the goodwill the people of Siopolis had shown them and their civilized treatment of them in times of trouble, they thanked them and encouraged them also to be favorable to the Jewish race in the future. Then Judas and his friend and his men arrived at Jerusalem, the Feast of Weeks being close at hand. After this feast, also called Pentecost, they marched against Gorgias, the governor of Idumea. He came out against them with 3,000 infantry and 400 cavalry. After they engaged in battle, it happened that a few of the Jews were killed. But a certain Dostheus, one of Basinor's men, a man on a horseback and a strong man, grabbed hold of Gorgias. He took hold of his cloak and was dragging him off by sheer strength. He intended to take the accursed man alive, but no... But one of the Thracian cavalry chased him down and severed his arm. So Gorgias fled to Marissa. Now Estrus, 
and his men had been fighting for a long while and were tired. So Judas called on the Lord to show himself as their ally and leader in battle. They began to sound the battle cry in the language of their forefathers and sang hymns. Then he charged against the troops of Gorgias when they least expected it and set them to flight. Then Judas retrieved his army and entered the city of Adullam. As the seventh day was dawning, they purified themselves according to custom and spent the Sabbath there. The following day, as was now necessary, Judas and his men left to gather up the bodies of those killed in battle, to bring them back to rest with their kindred in the tombs of their forefathers. But under the tunics of each of the dead, they uncovered sacred tokens of the Jamnian idols, which the Jews are forbidden by law to wear. So the reason these men died in battle became clear to everyone. Thus they all blessed the ways of the Lord, the righteous judge who reveals the hidden things. They turned to supplication and prayed that the sin they had committed might be completely blotted out. The noble Judas exhorted his people to guard themselves from sin, for with their own eyes they had seen what had, what happened to those who died in battle because of their sin. He then took up an offering from his soldiers amounting to 2,000 silver drachmas and sent it to Jerusalem to present as a sin offering. In doing so, he acted properly and with honor, taking note of the resurrection. For if he were not looking for the resurrection of those fallen, it would have been utterly foolish to pray for the departed. But since he was looking to the reward of splendor laid up for those who repose in godliness, it was a holy and godly purpose. Thus he made atonement for the fallen so as to set them free from their transgression. Second book of Maccabees, chapter 13, verse 1. In the 149th year, Judas and his men got word that Antichus Epitor was marching against Judea with a huge army, and with him his guardian Lysias, who was in charge of the government. Each of them had a Greek army of 110,000 infantry, 5,300 horsemen, 22 elephants, and 300 chariots armed with scythes. Menelaus also joined forces with them. It was a great irony that he encouraged Antichus, not for the preservation of his homeland, but for his expectation to be established in authority. But the king of kings aroused anger in Antichus against this sinful man. So when Lysias pointed out that this man was the cause of all the trouble, he commanded them to take him to Berorea to put him to death, as was the custom there. For there is a tower in that place, 50 cubits high, and filled with ashes. It also has a contrivance continuing around it on all sides that incline steeply into the ashes. There they all shove anyone guilty of sacrilege or who has done excessive evils to their destruction. Thus it happened that Menelaus, the lawbreaker, died by such a destiny. He was even deprived of a burial in the ground. Now this was altogether just, for since he committed many sins against the sacred altar, whose fire and ashes were holy, he should get death for himself in ashes. The king was coming with barbarous arrogance to face the Jews with things far worse than anything done by his father. But when Judas learned of this, he charged the people to call upon the Lord day and night, asking him to help them now as he had formerly. For they were about to be deprived of their law, their homeland, and their temple. They prayed he would not allow the people who had just begun a new life to fall into the hands of the blaspheming Gentiles. After they 
all made the same petition together and constantly implored the merciful Lord with weeping, fasting, and prostrations for three days, Judas encouraged them and commanded them to stand firm. Then he consulted privately with the elders and determined to march out, to let the matter be decided by the help of God before the king's army could enter Judea and take possession of the city. So committing the results to the creator of all and urging those with him to fight nobly to the death for the laws, the temple, the city, the country, and the commonwealth, he positioned his army near Modin. After he gave his men the watchword, God's victory, and chose his best young men, he besieged the royal palace by night, killing as many as 2,000 men in the camp. He also slew the leading elephant and its rider. As a result, they filled the camp with terror and disorder and departed victoriously. This all happened by daybreak because the protection of the Lord was with him. Thus the king tasted the courage of the Jews and plotted a strategy against their positions. He marched against Beth Zur, a stronghold of the Jews, but he was turned back. He attacked again, but was beaten. Judas then sent supplies to the men inside the fortress, but Rhodicus, a man from the Jewish army, tipped off the enemy with secret information. Thus he was sought after, caught, and imprisoned. The king spoke a second time with the people in Beth Zur, gave assurances, received their pledges, and departed. He then attacked Judas and his forces, but was vanquished. He then learned that Philip, whom he had left in charge of the government in Antioch, had lost his sanity. He was disheartened and summoned the Jews, and yielded and gave an oath to honor all their rights. Thus he settled with them and offered sacrifice, respected the temple, and treated the place humanely. He welcomed Maccabees and, and Hegemonides, was left as governor from Ptolemaeus to Gerar. Then he went to Ptolemaeus, but the people of Ptolemaeus were indignant over the treaty with the Jews. In fact, they were so enraged they sought to annul its provisions. But Lysias took the public stage and defended the treaty as best he could. He did persuade them, and gaining their goodwill, he returned to Antioch. This is the outcome of the king's strategy and settlement. Second Book of Maccabees, chapter 14, verse 1. After three years' time, word reached Judas and his soldiers that Demetrius, the son of Seleucus, had killed Antiochus and Lysias, his guardian, and then had sailed into the harbor of Tripolis, with a powerful army and fleet, and taking possession of the country. Now there was a certain alchemist, formerly a high priest, who had willfully defiled himself in the times of social and political disturbance. He realized there was no way for him to live in safety or to approach the holy altar ever again. So he went to King Demetrius sometime in the 151st year, and presented him a crown of gold and a palm branch, as well as some of the customary olive branches from the temple. During that day he remained peaceful, but he seized an opportunity in his own stupidity when he was invited by Demetrius to a session of the council and was questioned about the disposition and intentions of the Jews. Thus he said to the council, Those of the Jews who are called Hasidians, whose leader is Judas Maccabees, are maintaining war and stirring up rebellion, and will not allow the kingdom to attain stability. Wherefore I have set aside my paternal glory, meaning my high priesthood, and now have come here. I came here first out of my honest concern for the well-being of the king, and second out of consideration for my own fellow citizens. For, the, for through the rashness of those just mentioned, our entire nation is suffering misfortune. Because 
you, O Cain, are acquainted with the details of these things. Please take care of our country and our hard-pressed people with the gracious love for mankind that you have for everyone. For as long as Judas is alive, it will be impossible for the government to experience peace. After he said this, the rest of the king's friends who bore malice against Judas arose, aroused even greater anger in Demetrius. Immediately he chose Nicanor, the commander of a squadron of elephants, appointing him governor over Judea. He sent off, he sent him off with the charge to kill Judas, scatter his soldiers, and establish Alchemus as high priest of the great temple. The Gentiles who had fled before Judas throughout Judea, joined Nicanor, for they thought the setbacks and calamities of the Jews would bring prosperity to themselves. The Jews got word of Nicanor's coming and the assault of the Gentiles, so they sprinkled their heads with earth and prayed to him who establishes his people forever and always helps his own inheritance by making himself present. At the command of Judas, their leader, they immediately moved the army from there and met the enemy in battle at a village called Dessau. Simon, the brother of Judas, had encountered Nicanor in battle, but was halted because of the unexpected silence of those adversaries. Proverbs of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 7. Now, therefore, my son, hear me, and do not make my words invalid. Make your way distant from her, and do not come near the doors of her house, that you may not give away your life to others and your existence to the merciless, that strangers may not be filled with your strength, and your labors go into the houses of strangers." And you should feel regret at the last, when the flesh of your body is consumed. And you will say, How I hated instruction, how I hated instruction, and turned my heart away from reproofs. I did not hear the voice of my instructor and teacher, nor did I incline my ear. Little by little, I was in every evil in the midst of the church and congregation. Acts chapter 26, verse 1. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion I lived a Pharisee, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise are twelve tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain for this hope's sake. King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blasphemy. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities, while thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. At midday, O Cain, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we 
all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now as he Thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king, before whom I also speak freely, knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention. Since this thing was not done in a corner, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both, might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these chains. When he had said these things, the king stood up as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked among themselves, saying, This man is doing nothing deserving of death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Thank you for joining me on day 207 of the Orthodox Study Bible in One Year podcast. Tune in next time for day 208.